Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. An IDW special with Dirk Wood and Scott Dumbier. talking kind of cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. I've got my cup of tea. I know that Dirk's got his as well. He'll show you his cup of tea very shortly indeed. But oh, yeah. Hopefully you've got your brew to hand because we've got ourselves two great guests who's joining us for this incidental episode, a bit of a drop-in, um, a bit of a special one. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm just going to introduce them and welcome them along. Dirk Wood and Scott Dumbier. Hello there, chaps. Welcome along. Hello, everybody. Hello, Leonard. Hello, Scott. How's everyone today? We're doing fine. I mean, it's the sun's out. Uh, it's one of those moments where you see the sun shining, you see the birds flying around, and everything's looking great. And you just go, "Oh, I wish I could go out for a walk in that." Um, but uh, we, we're getting there slowly but surely. Uh, things are slowly approaching or getting close to uh, getting to some kind of normality, and we'll get into that, of course. Um, but uh, like I say, we've got these two great guests. All the comments that are coming in on Facebook, on Periscope, on YouTube, do jump in. Anything you want to ask uh, Dirk Wood and Scott Dumbier. I met Scott at Portsmouth Comic Con um, a year and a half ago. No, Something one year ago. ago. Yeah, absolutely. Last, it was last May. Was it last May? Okay, this is when time is just completely lost on us now. Uh, when everything's just flowing <laughs> into some strange time warp. It's very, very weird. Um, I, I've not met Dirk before, I believe. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I think this kind of came off the back of some previous uh, conversations uh, that we've had with great guests that we've got, had on, uh, because we had ourselves uh, Chris Ryle on the show. We had Paul Jenkins as well, who put up um, a great uh, Sienkiewicz cover from Big Numbers, which he had hanging on his wall. And I think it was Scott that kind of jumped in and went, yeah, I, I I think I've got pages of that. Um, yeah, and it, it all kind of dovetailed. And I think Joel uh, from Portsmouth Comic Con said, you should have them on the, the Hangout. And I asked and you said, yes, and I'm really appreciative. Thank you. Um, I think best way to start is to introduce yourselves, really, for maybe some people who, <coughs> who you are and uh, what you do, certainly within IDW. Um, Dirk, um, I mean, it's a big title. Um, when it's a creative director, uh, what does that yeah. entail for, for the company? Well, it's uh, let me back up a little bit, I guess. And nobody really knows what I'm doing these days, <laughs> including myself. Skype, Skype will probably agree. Um, you know, so yeah, I'm the creative director at IDW PDX. I'm also a senior vice president of IDW. Yeah, but I, I was the vice president of marketing for about uh, oh god, close to eight years, and then I moved back up to Portland and started a little uh, office up here with, uh, and started a magazine called Full Bleed with Ted Adams, which you may or may not have heard of, but uh, when Ted was still with the company. And then interestingly, over the last year or two, I've actually become, I sort of separated from the, the mothership a little bit, as Scott will attest, but then the last year or so, and then particularly with the COVID-19 scenario, I've become a lot more involved in different ways. I wear a bunch of weird, odd little hats. So. <laughs> I help the marketing guys with some of the of the trade show stuff here and there. I I, uh, I work with Chris Ryle on a whole lot of sort of 
behind the scenes, forward facing scenarios with our distributors and retailers and all sorts of crazy stuff. And I'm still working on Full Bleed, the fourth volume of which will be coming out very soon. Well, I was, I'm going to be talking to you about that in a bit because um, certainly the conversations that we've been having on the show and in recent weeks is about how we've been seeing a lot of COVID babies. Uh, creative endeavors go out on uh, Kickstarter, and uh, we're going to certainly get into uh, how Full Bleed uh, kind of sure. was got involved in that as well. Um, and I know that you're up in Portland. Uh, how's Portland been dealing with the whole COVID-19? Pretty well, actually. I mean, I think Scott would probably agree, too. The whole West Coast has handled it about as well as anybody. I think that, you know, we sort of dovetailed on California, I think, in terms of, of getting a pretty good early handle on lockdown. Not as early as we all probably should have, but but it's, it's relatively speaking. I mean, I know Scott and myself both have lots of friends in New York, so we're thinking about a lot of people in lots of parts of the country. But we're pretty lucky so far over here. Um, it's raining today, but that's Portland. <laughs> I was just about to, if there's anything I do know about Portland, yeah, yeah it's, it's the rain. And uh, it's keeping people inside, so that's <laughs> That's a, a bonus, I suppose. And for mm. yourself, Scott, I know you're San Diego-based, uh, a city I know and love, uh, and we've been speaking to a couple of people, uh, certainly friends of mine in the city, about how uh, uh, San Diego's been dealing with uh, COVID-19. Uh, what's the mood like in the city at the moment? You know, people are people are being cautious and careful, but uh, you know, people are going about with their lives. Um, you know, we don't. You read about people in certain places that have, I don't know, odd things going on, going out and confronting people without masks, and then people um, not wanting to wear masks. San Diego's not really like that. You know, I mean, everybody here is really um, trying to be very conscientious and courteous to people and uh, careful, you know, it's, um, you know, certainly a different way of life uh, right now, but, uh, you know, we're, we're getting through it like everybody. I'm really curious and what the mood's like, um, certainly when they've heard about the news of the cancellation of San Diego Comic-Con uh, with all of that revenue that would have been coming into the city. Uh, I, I can imagine that kind of put a bit of a gray cloud over one or two people. Yeah, I mean, and not, of course, not just, um, <clears throat> not just for, uh, well, for everybody. You know, I mean, sure. everybody is affected by something like that, and about you know how sports teams aren't playing anymore, how any number of conventions. I mean, so many people's livelihood. You know, not just the publishers. But the dealers, the artists, the writers, you know, everyone, everybody's affected by this. Sure. Uh, I mean, we had a, um, oh, we're going to be doing a San Diego Comic Con special uh, next week. And uh, I'm getting one or two people to go out with cameras to have a look at how the city's looking at the moment. And it's just, I've been hearing about businesses um, kind of struggling and, how how they've been trying to adapt to the, the new reality. It's just a really um, interesting and motivating to see how San Diego has been kind of uh, galvanized by trying to move through this. Um, but obviously it's heartbreaking when you when that announcement came out about San Diego Comic-Con. Um, I mean, for yourselves, yeah. that, that event would have been looming large in your calendars. Um, obviously sure. with IDW as well being... Home, home 
for uh, home publisher for uh, for the for the con. I mean, what was what was the pair of you? What was your convention calendar going to be looking like this year? I mean, what shows were you going to be going to? What would you miss? Well, we it was relatively stayed in terms of we we're comic con obviously we we're going to be doing wonder con we, we we in terms of setting up a giant booth we do new york every year sure and then uh, you know and then there are smaller events and, and you know we do things like book expo and you know american library association and different sorts of things i mean yeah for for me i mean this was going to be scott's got me beat i'm sure but this was going to be my 24th straight comic con so the idea of not having that in the middle of the year is just a bizarre sort of scenario and you know i mean i feel worst for the people that really depend on that for their livelihood like independent artists and and, you know people that that's that's a big part of their revenue stream to be honest for us it's you know if we break even on it that's a win because it's a big promotional thing it's a big part of our you know marketing calendar and you know obviously we like to do book launches there and things like that but but there are people that really depend on that for their livelihood so you know, those are the people I feel for the most, honestly. And and the way it, it's accelerating, <clears throat> I mean, you know, starting with, um, I mean, the last show that I went to was in the very beginning of March, the San Diego Comic Fest, which was a, a great, nice little show. Uh, but then, you know, with um, Emerald City being canceled and, you know, that I think that's what really made it kind of real for people in the comic book industry. And uh, a lot of people were very adversely affected by that you know the again artists going to shows you know they print up sketchbooks they lay out money on travel on hotels and then for that just not to be there you know and then you know also the trouble trying to recoup that money trying to get money back from airlines from hotels it's a real bad situation for a lot of people yeah i it's it's been interesting to see how conventions and um, publishers and people that reach out to uh, their the kind of like the the end products, the the people that are wanting to buy uh, uh, things and books and comics, how the different mot- uh, routes that they've taken, the different uh, methodologies, the uh, the virtual cons, the virtual uh, marketplaces. Uh, it's been interesting to see how various. Um, Organizations have approached it, and I'm, I'm real. I mean, we're obviously really curious to see how San Diego is going to do it, and how they're going to, as well as doing the virtual panels and the, the, the video content like we're seeing from everybody else, how they're mm-hmm. going to make that connection between customer, uh, uh, sorry, um, creatives and uh, retailers and publishers like yourselves, and how they're going to actually reach the. Uh, the, the 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 customer, the other what would have been the other side of the table. Uh, have you seen any kind of possible solutions to that have you seen any anyone that's possibly close to have gotten it right yet well you know it, it's a uh, it's interesting because you know in the context of shows i'm not sure i i'm i'm you know the stuff that comic-con is putting together those guys are great i mean our, their whole staff is world class and they're they're doing some cool things but i think it almost speaks to a bigger picture of the whole comics industry and retail community at large i mean i think retailers <clears throat> For example, I don't know if this is sort of on topic, but, you know, it's a little bit different for all of them, but they're starting to figure things out in terms of, you know, who can do curbside pickup, who can, you know, different, you know, more rural parts of the country, you can maybe have a few more people come into your store if everybody's wearing masks or, you know, I think that it's, it's interesting when this thing hit, I mean, it just seems so apocalyptic in terms of the industry. 
that fast. It just uh, happens so quick. Yeah, I mean, it was just wham. And so that that first couple of weeks, the scramble of everyone trying to figure out what the future was going to look like was it was crazy. And then it's just been this slow process sense of people starting to, you know, point by point, figuring out how this is going to work. Okay, when can we get books back in the market in any way? How can we, how can we sell some backlist? How can we, you know, because there are people out there that's, that want to read and possibly even have more time to do it. So, but yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. I don't think anyone's hit a golden solution on any front, be it a store or a convention or an artist or, but they're just, you know, we're sort of building this house block by block, you sure. know, and, and the, the further it goes, the more optimi optimistic I'm getting about how it's all coming together. You know, I, I feel much better about things now than I did a month ago. There's, there's no doubt. And there's no big reason for that. It's just little bits of positive movement from, from all sides. Um, we shall see, but yeah. it's, no, that Sorry. makes sense. Uh, also, I, mean, I think the reason why I, I certainly wanted to ask that question of uh, you two and certainly of IDW is because you were one of the companies that came out first uh, to actually address COVID, how it's going to affect the industry, how it's going to affect um, retailers, how it's going to affect creators. Um, when the uh, that letter came out from uh, uh, from uh, Chris and uh, I think there was also the uh, boom as well that got that, that it was those first you were the first companies really to actually go right this is the new reality this is how we're going to have to approach it we're, this is how we're going to have to address our right. relationship and i thought that was really inspiring which is the reason why i wanted to ask about how you feel we're going to moving forward make that connection again to uh, to to readers yeah, I think, uh, and quickly, just to throw, uh, to be fair, Image also came out right yeah, after yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and then, and then a few other publishers all jumped. You know, I think everyone, Diamond, all the pub, everyone was just kind of trying to figure out what the hell this all meant, not just in comics, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we're, we're all sort of finding that blueprint together. Everyone, there are a lot of common things happening. I mean, we're all, everybody's using diamond for the direct market, obviously. Sure. So yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this all, all goes. If we kind of look on a slightly more positive note, and if we think about those, uh, Comic-Con memories, those favorite ones, I mean, like you say, you, you've, you've got that 24 year run under your belt. Um, and you've got all those shows that you've been to. I mean, we'll start with Scott. I mean, do you have any, favorite comic-con memories uh, not just san diego as well just those um those magic memories of uh, shows <clears> you've been to, just to kind of really pour salt onto the wound um sure uh and this would have been my 33rd oh. yeah uh, wow um yeah my first one i was four years old um i you know I've, i have so many memories i mean one of my favorites was um Back in the uh, late 80s, before it moved over to the uh, current convention center, it was at the Civic Center in San Diego. And just walking around uh, was um, uh, Otomo. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan, was then, of Akira. And, um, you know, he was walking around. He didn't, he didn't speak English, and um, I'm very lacking in Japanese. But he had a translator with him, and I, I just sort of gushed. And I, I'm not a gushing person. You know, there aren't very many people that I've 
you know, just sort of said, oh, my God, I love your work. Um, you know, I'll tell people what I think of their work, but I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not a real fanboy when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, I did it with Atomo and I did it with Mobius. But with um, with Atomo, he, um, he did a, uh, uh, you know, he was very nice and very, um, very grateful. And he, uh, uh, he then leaned down onto my table and uh, did a little drawing of um, wow. one of the characters from uh, Kira. Um, and uh, uh, which, which, funnily enough, I then later gave to uh, a friend of mine in England. Uh, do you know Tim Pilcher? I, we know Tim well. We've had yeah, Tim yeah. on the show. Good guy. Yeah, yeah. And Tim, Tim, you know, at that time was a huge fan. And, um, and as much as I loved it, I think he liked it more. So I gave it <laughs> And um, um, actually, one of my favorite memories was uh, one year, uh, Wildstorm um, won a lot of Eisners one year. You know, I don't know how many. And I wound up going up on stage to pick a number of them up. And on the on the fourth or fifth one, uh, Will Eisner, uh, he used to be up on the stage and he would actually give people their Eisner awards. <clears throat> and the fourth or fifth one, you know, he, he bends over and picks it up and he turns to me and he looks at me and he goes, you again? And so that was a favorite memory. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to do the Eisners because they've turned around and said they are still going to be running that that ceremony they are still going to be running that show i'm really mm -hmm. curious to see uh how jackie's gonna pull that off it's gonna be that's gonna be interesting um yes, dirk dirk for yourself uh for yeah. memories oh man well here i'm gonna try and do something here. i'm gonna move this and see if you can see it way back in the corner there that's my my badge tree there's about a zillion badges there i think you can kind of see it doesn't do it justice <laughs> anyway um, it's like it. what's that it looks like cousin it Exactly. Pretty much. Um, so I've been to a million shows. Just go, you know, it's a lot of my favorite memories are actually associated with Scott and some of our mutual pals, like being on panels with the late great Darwin Cook and, and uh, you know Walt Simonson, just some of the the greatest people ever in our industry. That's thrilling, of course. But one thing I love about shows that I I bring up once in a while is that it's the most obvious. I love it. it it's so. There, it, our industry is so inclusive and, and there's a place for everybody. And, and, you know, the, like disabled people have an opportunity to experience conventions the same way everyone else does. And that, that I, I, the biggest thrill I get is someone that normally might not have the opportunity to sort of take part in something can be brought right to the front of the line and meet one of their heroes and gets to cosplay along with everybody else. And it's just, I, it, it gives me immense pride to be a part of the industry when there's, there's literally no one that can be excluded from the, the, that excitement, you know, and it brings something to everybody. So not having that is, is a real bummer for a lot of people, but it'll be back, you know, it'll be back in one form or another. They'll, you know, they'll figure it out. We are we are going to get into what we feel it's going to be like on the other side of all of this uh, mm -hmm. in a bit because there's a couple of um, uh, bullet points I want to uh, get into. Uh, well, I mean, certainly I want to uh, talk as well about IDW. I mean, being that San Diego-based company, it's very much the home team when it comes to the city. Um, when I've been to San Diego Comic-Con, when I went the last time, um, I actually came up to the office um, in a hope to kind of 
see somebody's and uh, possibly see Scott, see talk to Chris. And I came up on a Saturday when it was closed and nobody was in. So, you know, everyone saw while it, it doesn't quite work. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I did go down to the um, the art, uh, comic art um, exhibit mm -hmm. uh, and saw those Walt Simonson uh, pieces because it was uh, the exhibit of the of the time. I mean, I know that how how's IB, IDW been keeping uh, throughout during this situation? I mean, I know you've been going into the office. Uh, but is it are we talking like a fifty percent capacity, seventy percent? How what kind of speed is IDW up up to? I think this is a, a Scott question. Scott, you want to take that? <laughs> you know, you I lost you a little bit. I I didn't. Okay. Quite, I couldn't quite hear what you said exactly. Could you? I'm sorry. Could you repeat it? Sure, sure. It's just basically how uh, IDW and what kind of speed the office is, uh, certainly for people who may not know um, what the, um, the the current landscape is for people going in and working at somewhere like IDW. Are you like 50% capacity, 70%, something like that? No, we're, we're all working from home. There's all right, okay. Nobody, nobody is um, in the office. I mean, occasionally people have to go in. Uh, especially on the accounting side, um, but uh, and you know to get the mail and and things like that. But you know we are all 100% working from home at this point. Okay. Now I'm in the Portland office, but it's essentially just me 99% of the time. Well, that, that is your home. Right. <laughs> no, my wife would disagree. Uh, <laughs> between the hours of nine and six it is but uh so that it's been a, actually been a nice uh, to have that ability to do that during this um but it, it's it's i've essentially been telecommuting with the main office for the last three years and so it's it's and now everyone's telecommuting so it's been an odd shift in the dynamic but i i think that um We've been lucky in that regard that everybody can kind of work from home and that, that a lot of, you know, there's still great books being put together, even though, you know, you're going to you're going to miss out on a certain amount of that. One thing that IDW has always been good at is is moving quickly and that, you know, Scott will have an idea and he yells out his door over to Chris Ryle and says, hey, we should do this and that and that these things. So it, it can kind of slow down those connections. Um, <clears throat> we're all figuring it out yeah uh, I mean obviously people have been reading comics to keep themselves occupied uh, either um, old classic collections on their shelves or they're looking at some of the new digital stuff uh, people have been almost rediscovering uh, their comic collection and I'm <laughs> just really curious Scott um, I mean I know that the choices for the artist editions are, are your own but have you during this lockdown uh, have you been rediscovering books or artists that you'd like to see those deluxe special editions made up of, or artists that you'd like to see in an artifact edition? Oh, sure. You know, all the time, you know, I, I look at stuff. I mean, one problem is, you know, I sort of have to weigh what I would like to see as an artist edition and what uh, other people might want to see. You know, it, they have to, they're very expensive books to produce, so they have sure. to... Uh, sell a certain amount of copies. So um, while I would love to have a David Boswell, Reed Fleming, the world's toughest milkman artist edition, I don't think that there are more than a dozen people who would probably buy it, unfortunately. 13, Scott. There's at least 13. No, no, you were in the dozen, pal. <laughs> okay. There you go. Well, I mean, that was one of the highlights of when I went into the uh, the uh, the building downstairs and to the, uh, that area. Because uh, it was T.J. Shelvin 
who was uh, behind the counter at the time, and he just went, okay, go and have a look at that little lot. Look at the, the books that um, uh, Scott's put together. And, we love uh, TJ. Shout out to TJ. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, well, I mean, we also uh, had Dan Berry, who's uh, kind of does some uh, coverage for us, and he went to San Diego Comic Fest and saw a number of the panels that TJ put on, and it was always right. it's good to. I mean, he says it's. Uh, he says uh, on the uh, one of the comments, uh, "Who would have thought that the biggest con in San Diego this year was San Diego Comic Fest?" Uh, so it, it, it's yeah. true. It's absolutely true. Um, they should so, use that in their marketing, by the way. <laughs> I think Matt <laughs> will. I, I'm sure Matt will f find yeah. some way of getting that on a, on a flyer somewhere. Yeah. I mean, what have you missed uh, that IDW uh, would have been putting out this summer uh, that you would have been doing? I mean, is there any uh, kind of special books or any special projects that, because uh, you've had to scale back the uh, the release schedule uh, until later on, until things calm down. Is there anything that kind of you were looking forward to seeing out on the shelves? Um, sure, there are plenty. Um, uh, I'm just twisting the knife here. I just realized <laughs> what I'm doing here. No, 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 not at all. It's all right. Um, you know, a bunch of different things. I mean, you know, there was one book that's now been delayed, um, you know, for, a, I'm not sure how long, actually. Uh, and that's a brand new book by uh, John Lehman and Nick Bradshaw called Bermuda. Um, <clears throat> just when um, we we got the numbers for it, uh, just when uh, things were shutting down. And so, um, um, you know, they, 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 uh, it just wasn't the time to release the book, you know, and I'm really going to miss the uh, annual San Diego uh, dinner, art dinner that I host. Uh, this year was going to be Kevin Eastman, but uh, unfortunately not going to happen now. So. That's a shame. Dirk, I mean, was there anything that kind of well, you were I, looking forward to? I, I always look forward to Scott's dinners. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> I, uh, in terms of, uh, well, you know, Full Bleed 4 is being pushed, it's already been delayed, but it's being delayed further by the COVID thing, but it's it's coming. Um, honestly, most, most if not everything we had planned is coming, it's just delayed. So, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, it's more of a, 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 like anything, sort of like, I can't wait till we finally can do these things. I mentioned this on the, the Jeppy podcast the other day, but, uh, we're trying to be really careful about the books we release and the order we release them to make sure they're most beneficial to retailers. Well, that's what Chris said um, last week. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Chris has been at the forefront of that. Like that's that's been the biggest, uh, you know, sort of um, main thing to, to focus on is just making sure don't flood the market with this stuff. So if we have to wait a little while for for some of our, you know, more exciting projects that's okay as long as it, you know they hit at the right time that's fair enough uh, like i say we oh, go on scott i was just going to say by the way um anyone who hasn't picked up the first three full bleeds they are really great books oh thank you scott uh, they're they're different they're they're quirky they have they're intelligent they're fun to look at they're nice hard covers they're really good books dark you should be proud of them well thank you scott yeah i'm excited I, I, to get the fourth one out finally I supported Full Bleed Volume Three, um, so that yeah, that's in my collection. Thank you. Um, yeah, no worries. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. a great book. Um, I do wouldn't mind getting my hands on the first two as well, um, but I think that's an eBay thing when I can 
start to afford things again, but uh, that's a little bit further down the line. Volume 2, I can hook you up. Volume 1 sold out for Volume 2. Fair enough. We've got a couple of comments that are coming in on the uh, the a uh, couple of questions uh, one i think we'll hold off uh, a little yeah, while i i can anticipate this and um uh, i'm sure someone is saying why is scott's kitchen so messy no sorry. <laughs> you know what uh, i think we're all allowed <laughs> at this point to we're all okay to be a little bit you know we're just we're not we're not wallowing in our own filth at this point but it's okay to have a plate or two, a glass or two around. I think we're fine. Um, number one, we've got uh, number. I think we've got some uh, friends in the in the building. Uh, Martin Fisher saying Hello, hi Martin. to my buddies uh, Scott and Dirk. Uh, and you've got Mr. <coughs> Blue Mister. And I think this is obviously a, a Scott question. How on earth do they pick which artist edition book to publish? I get that they need to get hands on original artwork, but do they just go to a publisher and say, "Okay, what have you got in the basement?" Good question. Um, Scott, uh, I mean, like I, I said, I mean, I know that it's very much a personal thing for you. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I used to be an art dealer. I used to deal in comic art back in the uh, 80s and 90s until, um, um, for some odd reason, Jim Lee hired me at Wildstorm. <clears throat> um, I, I've always loved comic art. I've always loved doing... Um, art books, so it was just sort of a natural thing. When I um, when I started at IDW, I pitched it to Ted Adams, and he um, uh, was very receptive to it. And you know, it, it started off um, it started off slowly, and then just built from there. Um, I mean, I think we've done something like seventy five books now between artist editions and artifact editions, and it's. It really is a matter of me picking what I like, and you know I have very eclectic taste, which is why you see things like Walter Simonson Manhunter or Jack Kirby Commandy or EC Comics or Sergio Aragones. Um, you know I, I I like to do books that I would want to own, um, and because I've I was an art dealer, it enabled me to draw upon that experience to locate comic art. And in a lot of cases, if I didn't know where something was, I knew someone who knew where it was. Yeah. And, uh, and that's not always the case. A lot of times, um, a lot of times uh, it's just impossible to do anything. Like, you know, people ask me, what what's the book that I would really like to do <clears throat> that I can't do? And, you know, kind of my stock answer is Jack Cole's Plastic Man. Um, you know, I, I know of less than 10 pages that exist. And so unless you have the art, you can't do it. Absolutely. I'm, I mean, obviously, the, the artist editions and the artifact editions are great celebrations of um, artwork and artists of, uh, uh, of years gone by. But I'm really curious as to what you could see uh, of sli slightly more modern um, uh, titles and artists uh, who could you see in the current landscape getting a, an artist edition or at an, uh, an artifact edition uh, a little bit down? Maybe not just yet, maybe five, ten years down the line. Well, you know, we did do uh, Chris Omni's um, Chris Omni's Daredevil, mm -hmm. uh, which was great. Um, there are so many talented artists. You know, the, the problem is it's just there are so many different artists to choose from. So sure. it's more a question of when than if. Um, you know, there. I'd love to do an artist edition with I don't know. 
I, I don't want to single any one artist <laughs> out um, as being better than any other, but sure. you know, there are tons of great comic artists in the past and in the present. So yeah, there's, I'd be completely open to doing uh, stuff by uh, newer artists. Uh, yeah. You've got, oh, go on, Dirk. Oh, I was just going to say, Leonard, the, the other thing, the, one of the things that makes those books so great, of course, is that the old art, it was lettered on the boards. Sure. You know, so it's, you know, I mean, but, you know, the Hellboy book was great that Scott did. The Somni book's awesome because he has the, the additional book with all the thumbnails and, and, and it. But uh, the old stuff is so tough to beat because it's just, it's all on the page, you know. Um, but there, there are plenty of modern artists I would like to, to see. Well, I mean, we've, get, we've got a couple of comments. I mean, we've got uh, Comic Book News is joining us uh, Dan uh, Shahin hello there uh, we hello definitely there. we need the uh, martial law artist edition uh, is uh, the uh, a suggestion there uh, and we've also got uh, into the blue mystery as well i bought the collective volume of Le reed fleming world's toughest milkman last month and would kill for an artist edition you may be waiting on that one although i, I, I actually i do i do own about uh, 10 or 12 originals so from uh, Reed Fleming. Fair enough. There you go, Scott. That's one page for everyone. And as far as martial law goes, I would love to see martial law, but uh, Kev sold all those originals years ago, <clears throat> so it would, be, it would be a tough one. Fair enough. And Sarita P just is has just come out and asked it, who's next? Uh, I mean, do you have any ideas on who the next books are going to be focused on? Well, the next one that'll be coming out and is already printed is Dave Cockrum's X-Men Artifact Edition. Oh, okay. Uh, I actually, um, actually, hold on a second. Hey, Amanda. Yeah. Do you have that that book over there on the table, the um, the Big Artist Edition? I think you have to be more, more specific, Scott. Can you hand me that? <laughs> In Scott's house, can you hand me that big book, please? I don't know where it is. <laughs> She's just gonna come over with yeah, a truck. She, she yeah. asks ask for help to carry it over to him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we can't we can't find it. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Um, what did I do with that thing? Um, is it the, okay? I know you're probably saying you're looking on the table, uh, the coffee table for it. Is it actually the coffee table? No, but I am <laughs> having a coffee table made of an artist edition. Oh yeah, there it is. Okay. Nice. Thank that, you. That is true, my, by the my way. lovely, my lovely assistant Amanda. Hi, Amanda. In pajamas. Hi, Amanda. <laughs> <In pajamas. laughs> All right. Oh. So it does exist, mm -hmm. and let's see. End papers. Oh, I gotta go this way. <laughs> wow. Actually. So, yes, instead of lifting the book up to the camera, it may be a good idea to bring the camera down to the book. Yeah, <laughs> I can't go any more than that. All right. Fair and, enough. Uh, <clears throat> so what we have here is... All right, these are some of the pages from Giant Size X-Men number one. Uh, you can actually see the first pages with Nightcrawler over here, the first that's the first page with Colossus and <laughs> I 
It's very Vanna White. Wow. I like it. Wow. Well, it's safe. It's safe to say that um, when it comes to Scott's um, exercise regime, which we're all trying to keep fit, just carry. Yeah, just picking the the books up. There you go. Well, okay, that, is, that is a holdout with the double page spread from X Men One Hundred. Oh my sweet, merciful Zeus! And then on the other side <laughs> is a house ad with the old X Men and the new X Men. Okay. Dan Berry's asked the big question. Well, holy shit. And where and when is that coming out? Do we have a, a release date for that at this point? Um, it is currently in the middle of the Pacific Ocean <laughs> on a container ship from our printer. And Solicitor of Smeg, is it bad that I'm drooling on my keyboard? So there you go. That is definitely something that people are going to be looking forward to. That's incredible. So, so that's that's the next one that's coming out. <clears throat> the one after that, uh, the Michael Golden Micronauts book, uh, is ready to go. Just we need to wait for orders now. But um, it's, it'll be printed uh, as soon as we get orders, so in the next couple of months probably. Uh, and then after that, um, this year we're also uh, – close to being done with the um, EC Covers Artist Edition. And then uh, for the end of the year, uh, Knockwood will have the Jim Lee X-Men Artist Edition. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it looks incredible. And it's great to see some pages from inside of that. And uh, very much looking forward to Danbury. Where on earth do you live in uh, San Diego? Can I steal it from you? Uh, we're not going to hand out your home address. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> I, th Actually, I think Dan, if you want to buy it for a thousand dollars, you can have it today, <laughs> and the money will all go to charity. So there. Fair enough. First Fair person enough. who wants it for a thousand dollars gets it. You'll get bragging rights for at least a month. <laughs> and Fair enough. For a good cause. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's also something we can touch on the way that uh, we have been seeing the industry come together uh, with the likes of like creators for comics which Jim obviously Lee. was that Jim, Lee. Jim Lee's um yeah. work that he's done um it's been in, it's been really inspiring to see everyone coming together oh, those yeah. uh, were very much i mean the creators for comics was for the um the retailers do you see i mean i've brought this up on a couple of the other shows as well do you see that maybe we'll be seeing other um efforts like that more supporting um, the creators <clears throat> that uh, may be struggling at this point? You know, I think I think there's a lot more of that going on than people are really aware of. I mean, I, I, I see things, you know, people are doing their own auctions for individual comic shops and things like that and for other things. I mean, I think people really, and especially in the comics community, I mean, I'm very partial to the comics community, obviously, but I think that the people who read comics are, you know, generally, with a couple of exceptions, really great people. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, I, I'm I'm sure that um, we'll see um, we'll see more of that on a on a greater level. You know, maybe, sure. maybe not not as not as great a level as what Jim is doing because that guy's going to raise a million dollars <laughs> when he's done. Um, between the stuff that he's doing and the art that's being done by his friends, I mean, fantastic. I mean, 
pieces of art going for ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars. You know, it's it's great. Yeah, you know, and the, there are some behind the scenes things happening now that I, I I'm actually involved in one that I can't talk about yet, or I'll be speaking out of school. But there's some stuff coming, and you know, one one thing I think that's important to think about it as you know it's a maybe a bad analogy but the comic shop has front lines in this whole scenario is that if you help a comic shop you are ostensibly helping an artist because sure. you know i mean and this we got into it on dan's podcast with steve jeppy a little bit that that it's you know that somebody's got to buy books from those stores so they can pay diamonds so diamond can pay publishers so publishers can pay artists and it, and it is a real cyclical thing. And now, now the diamond's back up and operational again. So that keeping those stores, you know, we can help artists all day and we should. And I think there are lots of, lots of people helping where they can, but by helping those stores, you are, you are helping the artist. The best thing you can do for the comic industry or for a comic book artist right now is to go buy comic books from shops. However, they're doing that at the moment, you know, um, and that's happening. So that's good. And as as uh, as Dan pointed out, Bink is doing some great some great stuff as well. Yeah, I I mean I managed to get in a bid uh, the second that it dropped for one of the Jim Lee pieces, knowing damn well that I was going to get outbid. But I, at least I got a bid in. That's all right. <laughs> Did what I could. Um, yeah. I think that what like I say, we've been talking about the, also the mood of the industry as well, and it has been really kind of supportive. I mean. Uh, we we've talked already about that live stream that you've you did where you sat with a number of heavy hitters including uh, Mike Richardson from Dark Horse and Ross Richardson sure. from Boom um, and the tone it seemed throughout that was really optimistic which was great and it but it did seem very much up in the air about what it's going to be like at the other side of this um, yeah uh, I mean when do you think that we could actually get a firmer grasp of that I mean could it be so like at the end of this month when we have that first diamond uh, sale date of uh, I think it's May twentieth. May twentieth. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, people are going to be so squeezed financially to afford anything. I mean, books are going to be hard to afford down the line. When do you think we could actually start seeing what the <laughs> the light at the other end well, of the sun is going to look like? Yeah, it's it's it's. I think it's an open question. I think you're right. Yeah. I think that will be the first. You know, one of probably many steps. I think it's much like. That we're all feeling about everything you know when am i going to get a haircut when am i going to shave but that's another story um you know it, it, it's step by step i think that that's getting some books from diamond into the stores is definitely the first step towards any sort of new normal that we might be looking at but, but what what's that going to look like step by step until we get a vaccine or until the, the world really returns to some semblance of normal it's going to be interesting to see I mean, I, I think uh, that would be a, a first step. I think if we can move into the fall without any sort of giant resurgence and immediate <clears throat> backtracking will be good. I'd like to see, I, I would much rather see incremental steps towards norm normality than a, a giant, you know, everything's fine, open all the shops. I, I yeah. just don't think that's gonna happen. You know, as long as we just keep on getting such great leadership from our president, you know, I think that mm -hmm. we, uh, <laughs> For a second, I thought you met, you know, Chris Ryle <laughs> and I didn't know. That's where I thought it was going. That's where I, I thought it was going. Well, I, don't, I don't know what you mean, Scott. And anybody, anybody who follows me on Facebook knows what a big Trump fan I am. Oh, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think we've uh, we've we've made our feelings known on this show as well. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, fair. let's not waste our time, right? Sorry for even bringing it up. No worries, no worries. <laughs> I'm sure we're all waiting on him to return to the podium for more entertainment from the comedy hour. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, I only have one word to say. Go China. <laughs> Honest to God. It, I mean, I mean, it, it's pick a day, pick a target, pick a di distraction. But there we go. Yeah. Um, I think, like I say, we were talking about the, the new normal. I mean, creators and retailers and publishers have scrambled to find out new ways to communicate with their audience. And obviously, the online. I mean, the amount of podcasts that are out. I mean, we, like I so said, we've got, got comic book news joining us. So I've been following them uh, for a while, and a whole bunch of people have been really having that conversation online almost taking those Zoom meetings and just uh, uh, putting them out for people to see, which is great. Um, do you think there's still room to learn about that openness, that um, the, the way that we've all kind of found out more about uh, artists, creators, and the industry in this? Or uh, do you think there's still more to learn on the other side? Oh, you know, I... I uh... I think it's interesting, you know, the world has changed in many ways, but it's sort of just a new extension on what social media has already done, which has sort of flattened the landscape in terms of everyone and how, I mean, I cannot imagine the sort of access that, that people have to, I mean, I take, let's take Bill Sienkiewicz, for example, who's just a world-class artist, obviously, and a, and a great guy. But when I was a kid, I mean, he was just this mysterious figure i can't imagine being able to like tweet at bill sinkavich and have him write back and you know i mean and so it, it's become much more of an open transparent sort of industry and, and scenario than it ever was before but, but you're right this has laid a lot of it bare i mean i, I think everybody you know watching how people are struggling to figure out how to deal with this reality a lot. I mean, it's like watching the news and you can see people's cats running around behind them and, you know, and some people have good sound, some people don't. It's just a, it's a brave new, I, I think it's making us all much more human and relatable to each other in some ways. You broke up a little bit there, uh, but uh, we picked, we picked out some of the words. I think we've got <laughs> the general uh, idea uh, of what you mean. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the way that, um, uh, certainly, um, artists are connecting on social media. Um, yeah. Yes, I think one or two people noticed that I was chomping at the bit there, because yes, Bill Sinkevich is going to be our guest on the show tomorrow. Which, oh, that's right. I didn't. That was I, an I, accidental plug, but that's great. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not nervous or apprehensive. You got to no. do me a favor. You got to do me a favor, though. Then you have to tell Bill he has to do another book with me. Fair enough. Right. It will be one of the first things I ask. Perfect. <laughs> fine by me. I am, I'm a huge fan of Bill as an artist and as a person. I mean, the guy is just, he's a great guy. And just, you know, one of the, one of the, it's funny, you know, the, the more Bill does, the more he gets better. You know, he is yeah. an artist who, you know, it's, it's tough, you know, to to be a great artist, and it's tough to continue to grow as an artist. You know, I mean, a lot of times, you know, you have guys who, and when I say guys, I mean men and women, and anything else. But yeah, when when someone can do something and be so brilliant so early, 
and then get better and then continue to get better. You know, I mean, that's that's a rare thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and I mean, like, you know, the the portraits he's been doing on Facebook that he does in amazing hours. I mean, you know, you look at the stuff that he's doing and it's just phenomenal. But anyway, I mean, I, I think the, the thing that's kind of like you say, uh, it's the, that ease of access and uh, that they've embraced social media. I mean, well, like like you say, I mean, back in the day, he was somebody who you kind of saw as this mythic figure, but the way that he has opened up to talking to people and um, the way that he's embraced social media and put some astonishing art on his feed. Um, we, we, we do what I, we can to showcase social media feeds, which put great art on there. And Bill is just this rolling... Incredible. Um, it's just a rolling line of just incredible artwork. It's just incredible. Mm-hmm. But um, certainly, if if uh, we will let you get off and enjoy the rest of your day, and I know that you've got some work to do as well, so uh, we'll oh, kind yeah. of uh, wrap up, wrap up on a little bit of a uh, a, fu- a futuristic note and looking forward. Um, certainly, we were talking about Full Bleed, and we were looking at. Uh, I mean, I know that Full Bleed Three was the uh, a Kickstarter project. And right. you, Dirk, you've seen the pros and cons of crowdfunding and yes. getting that book out there. And like I said at the top of the show, I think we're going to see a lot of Corona babies and a lot of creatives coming together in this new normal to get books out there on a crowdfunding level. Yeah. Um, what, has, what have you seen in terms of uh, the pros and cons doing a Kickstarter and sort of like peop- uh, creatives kind of not coming to the likes of IDW and putting out books directly? Uh, well, let's see. Cons, it is the world's biggest pain in the ass. <clears throat> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Running a Kickstarter is no joke. And, and, you know, we did it initially on full bleed. Not, not Clearly not because IDW needed the money to make a book. We know we sure. that. It, it was a, a... And it's hard to put myself in the mindset of a couple of years ago when we really launched this thing. But it, it was a purely promotional... And, and a, a new way to try and sell books. And I and just being purely honest about it, I think it was a mixed bag. I, I think, you know, one, one thing we were able to do was offer it, and we were the first people to ever do this, actually, is offer it to the direct market and have it be able to be fulfilled via Diamond in there. And so they, they at a 50% discount, so the comic shops didn't have to pay exorbitant shipping and all that sort of, and then made that a big part of it. And that sort of, you know, that was important to me because I certainly wouldn't want to circumvent comic stores in that way. Uh, and we're going to have to do a fourth Kickstarter just to make sure it's available because of the way we've solicited oh, wow. the first okay. three. But that was, should be the last Kickstarter for Full Bleed. Um, but, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think one of the things that we're heading towards figuring out here is that, you know, it, it's important that we keep stores in business and keep the whole market operating the way that it should. But, you know, we're also currently we have a pretty high unemployment rate. And, you know, how many people can really afford these things, be it through Kickstarter or be it through comic shops or, or what? So, you know, it, every project's going to be a little bit different. Everything, you know, you really have to sort of think about the pros and cons of, of how you launch something. And there's no easy answer. I, you know, I, I couldn't recommend doing it, you know, flatly or not doing it until I knew more about what the specific 
project was and the timing and all those sorts of things. But it remains a, 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 a really viable, interesting way to get things out to people that didn't exist just a few years ago. Um, and much like we were talking about with social media, I'm just blathering on at this point, but <laughs> you know, it, it has flattened the, the playing field in terms of, of you know, how people can come up with a book and get it to people or a product of any kind, you know. But, but it'd be interesting to see how it goes from here. I can imagine, Scott, it's the same thing with you when it comes to social media, when people do keep reaching out to you uh, about uh, projects and things that uh, you could be doing in your division. I mean, you got Into the Blue Mister who's jumped in. There aren't many people that you could name uh, under the superstar artist label, Mike Magnola, uh, Jim Lee, Alex Ross, Bill Sinkovich, on the top of my head. Is there anyone else that you that would uh, kind of put in that pantheon? What, the superstar artist? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, tons. You know, I, I mean, I also, I also, <clears throat> I like a lot of different kind of, kinds of artists. Like, to me, you know, one of the great, almost not unsung because he's won a, you know, million Eisner awards, but Kyle Baker, you know, I mean, in terms of doing great comics, you know, nothing beats something like You Are Here. And which is my favorite book by him. And then Why I Hate Saturn, Cowboy Wally, tons of stuff. The Plastic Man series he did for DC. Kevin Nolan, you know, I mean, I don't know if he's a superstar, but he should be. He's an incredible talent. Um, you know, there, there's just tons of great artists that are still working. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just endless, endless. And it also depends sort of on your definition of superstar artists. Where they, I'm thinking of classic comic art, but look at someone like Raina Telkemeyer, who's, you know, selling millions and millions of, of graphic novels that, you know. Um, but yeah, there's, it's, it's, it is a golden age in terms of the material. It remains. Sure. I mean, the stuff coming out now from any multitude of publishers is so incredible. Yeah. Um, you've got uh, Rick, Rick Corbin oh. is still doing great stuff. Sorry, who's that? Sorry. Oh, Corbin. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I talked over you there for a second. Um, comic book news, uh, Dan Shine. Um, Cowboy Wally show is the greatest. Uh, you got uh, mentioned as well, Peter Bag as well. Peter Bag is amazing. Dan yep. Clouds, you know. Dan Clouds, Chris Ware. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we would just to uh, mention one last comment from uh, Dan when he was talking about um, the way that we, the social media has allowed people to really uh, open up when it comes to projects. Talking to people can help change the world. Absolutely. Roy Sharpton on Facebook's watching. This was going to be my 20th year in a row at San Diego Comic-Con. Much love to you guys for fighting the good fight with stories and getting them into people's hands. You can't say fair than that. And he also does uh, finish up as well by saying full bleed rocks. So there Thanks, you go. Uh, there you go. Uh, nice little uh, um, uh, blowing smoke up your bum for the final stretch. Hey, uh, but it's very much worthwhile. Yeah. But there we go. Um, guys, I want to say thank you so much indeed for coming on and talking to us. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure I speak for a lot of people that we really do look forward to seeing you at a convention face to face. When that's going to be, uh, we have Great. no idea, but fingers crossed. I mean, certainly for 21, uh, we're going to be in San Diego. And uh, I can't wait to get back out there. And um, honestly, you know, anytime you want me to be on the show, I'd be more than happy to. Just next time, maybe without Dirk, because I really don't like him very much. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, well, it's nice to know that this is coming out now. 
Uh, you could have DM'd me. You could have told me this, but, but okay. You know what? I can see Rich Johnston. He's right now. I'm right there. Know you're out there. Massive, oh, you massive feud. <laughs> Look, yeah. okay. You, Scott's just said one sentence, and that's CBR three posts right there. So thank you, Leonard. A pleasure. Dirk, Scott, thank you very much indeed for coming on. Um, we look forward yeah, to seeing right. what IDW uh, has when all of this uh, kind of levels out. And let me, it's, I, it's, I, 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 let's thank Joel Meadows for suggesting this because Joel always, always a stud. Thank you, Joel. <laughs> the word "stud" and Joel is not something that I've ever had in mind, but thank you very <laughs> much indeed for putting that forward. <laughs> all right, guys, thank you very much indeed. Take care. Thanks, Enjoy guys. the rest of the day. Yeah. Take care. Brilliant stuff. Thank All you. Right. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. So there you go. Uh, that's Scott and um, uh, Dirk. Thank you very much indeed for the chats for coming on. Um, I should have asked uh, where you can find them online, but of course you can find um, Scott Dunbier at S Dunbier. Uh, I hope I got his pronunciation of his surname. And Dirk Wood, you can find Dirk underscore Wood on Twitter as well. But great guests to have on. Thank you very much indeed for all your questions as well. Um, don't disappear because we have just got one last thing that I want to kind of uh, do uh, before the end. Uh, first and foremost, I do want to advertise that, yes, tomorrow we are speaking to uh, uh, the great Bill Sienkiewicz. Um The great thing about Bill, uh, which I'm really looking forward to, is that all you have to do is just wind him up and let him go, and the man will talk. And I'm really looking forward to hearing what he's uh, going to talk about because um, he really is somebody uh, who I'm sure we all admire greatly. So looking forward to that. 10 p.m. Uh, sorry, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. GMT. That's going to be on tomorrow. Um, what we have been doing with the uh, Wednesdays and Sundays show is doing a spotlight on crowdfunding and also on artists, uh, our artist cup of uh, tea, our, our cup of tea. Um, what I'm going to do today for this incidental episode is something a little bit different uh, because there's somebody who is not only a great artist, but also somebody that kind of needs our help. Um, she is somebody that's going through a bit of a hard time at the moment. Uh, this is uh, Tess Fowler, uh, who has been diagnosed uh, with cancer. Um, she is a truly inspiring person. She is somebody who has um, grown a lot as an artist. Uh, she is somebody who's grown a lot as a person over the, the years. So, I, it's been a pleasure to know her uh, personally and talk to her, and she's just an amazing person. Uh, but like I say, this is something that is really hit her rather hard indeed. Um, as it happens, uh, somebody we had on the show a week or so ago, B. Dave Walters, uh, has organized a crowdfunding for the medical uh, bills for Tess Fowler. Um, and also, it's not just supporting her, but also supporting um, her partner, Chris. Just to having the pair of them um, come together and do what they can to support each other is one thing. But I think as a community, we can also do our best to get in there and uh, support her as well. The it speaks volumes that the GoFundMe that was put together for uh, uh, by uh, B. Dave Walters for uh, Tess was originally set at fifteen thousand, and it broke that in the, I think just twenty four hours. Uh, we've they, they've now extended that to fifty thousand to really help uh, Tess and Chris uh, with everything that they need uh, for um, all the future uh, medical bills they've got going on. So. What I wanted to do is uh, point this out and uh, send you in the direction of uh, this uh, particular effort. 
Um, you, if you know her work, uh, you know her from um, the uh, A Darkened Wish, the Dungeons and Dragons book from a year or so ago. You may know her work from Rat, Rat Queens. Uh, you may know her work from um, Black Crown as well, uh, which was just uh, incredible stuff that she put together there. She's and she's done some great work as well for the creative, uh, so for the critical role uh, um, community as well. Just an amazing person, um, and I think it's all the best to just uh, raise as much money as we possibly can for her. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a uh, the link upon screen, so at least you can uh, go and uh, check it out and uh, donate as much as you possibly can. Uh, put some money into uh, the, uh, the the coffers, and let's just help Tess as a community because it's somebody that. Uh, Deserves our love. She's a great person, and she's just going through hell at the moment. So let's let's support her. It's GoFundMe.com slash F slash We Love You Tess. Five dollars, twenty dollars. At the end of the day, it's um, GoFundMe. So there's no minimum, uh, no maximum. You can try and donate as much as you can. If you can put some money into there, we uh, I would appreciate it. I'm sure Dave would appreciate, uh, B Day Walls would appreciate it, and of course Tess would as well. GoFundMe.com slash F slash We Love You Tess. So there you go. And that is about it. That's our show. Like I say, it's, it was a drop-in episode. It was something that we we do outside of the Wednesdays and Sundays show. Back again tomorrow. Um, what? Let's just remind ourselves of these great guests that we've got coming up because, my word, uh, am I incredibly lucky <laughs> with the guests that we've got coming up. Um, the... Let's see if I can. Oh, where am I? Where have I put it? It's in there somewhere. Uh, I can't find the guest list. I mean, I know it's in the in in this button. Let's see if uh, this mutes my mic. Hope it doesn't. Yeah, there you go. Dirk Wood, Scott Dumbier, tomorrow, Bilson Kevich. Our San Diego Comic Con special is this Sunday. Rob Salkowitz, Aaron Show, Liz Franks uh, is going to be joining us as well. Wednesday, the twentieth of May, is Donny Cates and Megan Hutchinson. David Irwin on the 24th of May, Wednesday, 27th of May, Russ Burlingame with comicbook.com, and then Robin Jones on Sunday, the 31st of May. Those are our guests for this month. It's going to be a great run of shows. And um, thank you so much indeed to Dirk and to Scott for coming on for a great show. Hope you've enjoyed it. Take care. Stay safe. Stay indoors if you can. And hopefully we'll see you tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. GMT for an episode of Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego, I never thought would actually happen. <laughs> Bill Sienkiewicz tomorrow. Take care. We'll see you soon. See you.